Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, as we come on the air, we're following a number of major headlines. The government prepares 10 million mini doses for kids under the age of five when your children's dose might arrive at the doctor's office or pharmacy. As pandemic fatigue sets in, the chaos at school board meetings over masks, like this one in Illinois. And in hospitals, healthcare workers who not only have to fight COVID, but are now facing aggressive and sometimes abusive patients and families. Truckers shut down Vital Bridge, the so-called Freedom Convoy, protesting vaccine mandates in Canada, closes America's busiest land border crossing. Security threat, the bomb scare for Vice President Kamala Harris's husband. Tonight, the latest details. Diplomatic blitz with NATO troops preparing for a long, cold winter. What the Kremlin is saying about whether there was a breakthrough made at the long table meeting with the French president. School shooting suspects parents in court. The text messages the mother of Ethan Crumbly sent the day he allegedly killed four classmates. The growing gender gap, the hard choices some women are facing since the pandemic, childcare or work. I just sat there and cried. And the Oscar goes to the Academy Awards nominations are announced. Or the Who's the big favorite? And meet the cancer nurse who is a symbol of hope for her patients. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. Well, tonight there's news that more states are planning to roll back mask restrictions. The governor of New York is expected tomorrow to repeal the indoor mask mandate for businesses. And she could allow schools to do the same by the end of the month if cases continue to drop. 
It's too soon to say if America is at a turning point, but two years after the start of the pandemic, there is growing recognition that we are in the endemic stage, and that means learning to live with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So here's the latest data. The daily average number of new cases is down nearly 70 percent nationwide in less than a month. So cases are falling. There's also this for parents. The CDC says the Biden administration is preparing to roll out 10 million mini vaccine doses for children as young as six months old. The first round of shipments could arrive by Monday, February 21st. So we've got a lot of news to get to tonight. And CBS's Elise Preston is going to start us off from New York. Good evening, Elise. Good evening, Nora. That's right. As you just said, New York could join the list of states rolling back mask mandates tomorrow as Governor Kathy Hochul is expected to make an announcement for businesses. She told education leaders today she's not ready to do the same for schools yet, but that could come in just a couple weeks. This was the contentious scene at one school board meeting in Illinois after a judge halted the state's school mask mandates, leaving districts to decide for themselves. And you're sitting here causing a scene like this with no mask on? With only about 40% of 5 to 17-year-olds fully vaccinated, the CDC still recommends indoor masking in schools, regardless of vaccination status. But New Jersey, Delaware, Connecticut, and Oregon have all announced plans to lift mandates. California will still require masking in schools, but will remove the requirement for vaccinated individuals in indoor public spaces starting next week. Let's all get back to normal already. Jeez Louise. Nationwide cases are 60 percent lower than at January's peak, but weekly cases among children are still over 100,000 and are about 400 percent higher than this time last year. I am fully confident that it will be safe to have kids take masks off in school, particularly in schools that have high vaccination rates. My worry is, is that we're not quite there yet. Pandemic fatigue and frustration isn't just impacting schools, it's hitting hospitals too. Every day I read about reports in which my staff are either verbally or physically abused. At this hospital in Georgia, Dr. Gregory Evans says with each wave of COVID, there's also a flood of aggression. What do those verbal attacks look like? Uh, accusations, why we aren't given certain medications that they may have researched on the internet. Dr. Lily Henson says when hospitals are full of patients that don't trust science, it's a dagger to morale. We get this threat that says, um, you know, if my loved one dies, it's your fault. That's really heartbreaking. Now, Pfizer CEO says he thinks the FDA could fast track vaccine authorization for children under the age of five. Data is expected on Friday and an FDA advisory committee is set to meet next week about the shots. Nora. Please, Preston, with all the news. Thank you. And for the second straight day, a Canadian protest spilled over the border into Michigan and blocked the Ambassador Bridge. That's the busiest border crossing between the U.S. and Canada that is responsible for roughly a quarter of all trade between the two countries. CBS's Janet Shamlin reports from Ottawa. Tonight, protesters define calls and what's been described as the occupation of Canada's capital. As Ottawa becomes a global front line of frustration over vaccine restrictions. We want this over. People want to get on with their lives. This has been two years. Hundreds of trucks are blockading the area around Parliament. We're sitting here just because we think we're doing the right thing here. The mayor declaring a state of emergency 
warning they're losing the battle. A lot of these big rigs have been here for all 12 days of this protest, and they have no intention of leaving anytime soon. The anger is spreading to the border. Traffic shut down for a second day on the bridge connecting Canada to the U.S. in Michigan, a major trade artery. It has to stop. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is calling for an end to it all. People of Ottawa don't deserve to be harassed in their own neighborhoods. But momentum is growing as right-wing groups and politicians outside Canada pick up the banner, including Senator Ted Cruz and former President Donald Trump. And while GoFundMe ended protest donations, millions are coming in on other platforms. Many believe coordinating behind the scenes, deep-pocketed anti-vaccine groups. Trucker Ross Sicarius says his pockets are about empty, but he's not leaving. What type of toll is that taking on your income? An absolute toll. I have no income, but they already took that from me before I got here. And Janet Chamlian joins us now from Ottawa. So, Janet, do we know what kind of economic impact these protests are having? So, Nora, almost every business in this area near Parliament has closed. At the border bridge, which connects Detroit to Windsor, some $200 million in goods cross each day. In the last 48 hours or so, not much of it has made it across. Nora? All right. Janet Chamlian in Ottawa for us. Thank you. Well, now to a scary incident this afternoon involving Vice President Kamala Harris's husband. The Secret Service rushed Doug Imhoff out of an event at a high school here in Washington following a bomb threat. CBS's Nancy Cordes joins us now from the White House. So, Nancy, what exactly happened? Well, Nora, D.C. police say that when this bomb threat was made this afternoon, the caller said that everyone inside had 10 minutes to get out. That threat was immediately relayed to the Secret Service detail for the second gentleman. And in these pictures, you can actually see them whisking him out of the building. Now, the second gentleman, Doug Emhoff, was at the school to attend a Black History Month event with kids. Dunbar High School, the Secret Service tells us, was the first public high school for black students in the country when it was founded in 1870. A short time ago, the Secret Service released this statement that said, at this time, there is no information to indicate that the threat was directed towards our protectee. In other words, towards the second gentleman. And D.C. police say they also don't believe that the threat is related to the recent series of threats directed at historically black colleges and universities. D.C. police did not find any explosive devices, but they do have an audio recording of that call, and they're investigating, Nora. Nancy Cordes at the White House. Thank you. Well, tonight we're learning more about how a Michigan couple reacted in the moments after their son, Ethan Crumbly, allegedly shot and killed four students at Oxford High School in November at a hearing today that will determine whether there's enough evidence to put Jennifer and James Crumbly on trial for involuntarily manslaughter. Prosecutors played James Crumbly's call to 911 to report a missing gun. 911, what's the location of your emergency? Okay, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm at my house. There's an active shooter situation going on at the high school. My son goes to the high school. I have a missing gun at my house. A work supervisor testified that soon after the shooting, Jennifer Crumbly sent a text message saying, quote, I need my job. Please don't judge me for what my son did. The Crumblies are accused of making a gun accessible to their 15-year-old son and ignoring warning signs about his behavior. 
We're going to turn now to that tense military standoff between Russia and Ukraine. Tonight, U.S.-led NATO troops and Russian forces are ramping up intense war games in the region, signaling both sides are preparing for a possible conflict. This comes as Russia is striking down suggestions of a diplomatic breakthrough. CBS's Charlie Daggett reports from the Baltic state of Estonia. Combat-ready British tanks on the warpath today. Testing NATO ground troops in Estonia in a simulated battle against an imaginary enemy. But in a country that borders Russia and was once a former Soviet republic, the enemy is very real. With tensions mounting in Ukraine, so is the threat. Winter exercises like these are meant to counter Russia's home field advantage, waging war against an enemy that specializes in fighting in Arctic conditions. At the same time, Russia has stepped up its own maneuvers, sending six warships to the Black Sea. In addition to joint exercises for ground troops in Belarus, with Russia now amassing as many as 130,000 troops near Ukraine. NATO is beefing up its forces on Russian and Belarusian borders in response. Battle groups led by the U.S. in Poland, German forces in Lithuania, Canadian troops in Latvia, and the British in Estonia. Diplomatic efforts to find a solution stalled after the Kremlin dismissed claims from French President Emmanuel Macron that he saw a path forward following talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. With hopes of a peaceful solution decreasing by the day, NATO officials here say they're worried these war games may soon be the real deal. A top government official told us not only does Putin have the upper hand in negotiations, but sending a few thousand U.S. and NATO forces to Eastern Europe is hardly a serious deterrent to 130,000 Russian troops. Nora? Charlie Daggett reporting for us in Estonia. Thank you. Turning now to the economy, a disturbing trend is emerging when it comes to women and America's economic recovery. More than 63 percent of all jobs lost during the pandemic were jobs held by women. Following the latest unemployment report, there are more than one million fewer women in the workforce today compared to February of 2020. CBS's Nikki Batiste has more on the gender gap recovery. In this book, Laura Danger, mom to two young daughters, was a special education teacher for Chicago public schools. She loves her work, but last October, Danger had to quit. I just sat there and cried. It was the lack of reliable childcare during the pandemic, plus worries about her children falling ill that led her to give up her career. My kids were sick and I wasn't sleeping and I wasn't eating. It was just all of that weight of the last two years on me and all of the things I knew I had to get done that wouldn't stop. And I, I put in my resignation that day. Danger isn't alone. In the first year of the pandemic, one in three women considered leaving or changing jobs. Working and finding affordable childcare has only become more difficult during the pandemic. Costs for childcare centers have jumped more than 40%, forcing many to shut down. Alonda Edwards runs several child care centers in the Washington, D.C. area. She said it's hard finding qualified women for the job openings. We're able to increase our tuition prices more than we'll be able to pay the staff members more than, you know, for what they are really asking for and deserve. But if we do that, we lose children. 
moms or dads actually staying home with their child because they can't afford childcare. Danger says she hopes to return to teaching someday, but right now her family is her number one priority. We're going to make it. Um, I just would love to see a light at the end of the tunnel in the next couple of months. The working women most impacted by the pandemic and rising childcare costs are single mothers of young children. They've seen the biggest decline in work hours and are the least likely to recover. Nora. It's been so tough for so many moms. Nikki Batiste, thanks. Well, now to Beijing and day four of the Winter Olympics. While Team USA is still eyeing their first gold medal, U.S. men's figure skater Nathan Chen grabbed today's headlines thanks to a world record performance. CBS's Jamie Ucas reports. This will set the tone. Team USA's Nathan Chen may have given the Americans their best shot at gold yet. After a disappointing performance at the 2018 Olympics, the three-time world champion registered a world record score in the men's short program. It's not 2018 anymore. I just can't even imagine being him and just having to wait this long to to fix what you what you messed up four years ago. Emily Giambalvo covers figure skating for the Washington Post. There's still the free skate left, but it just felt like, okay, this is different than Pyeongchang. It's not going to be that same disaster again. Now Nurse with a shattering pass. They score! In ice hockey, the U.S. women's team suffered its first loss of the tournament to Canada. But all eyes are on next week's expected gold medal rematch after Canada lost to the U.S. in 2018. United States wins gold! In the women's freestyle Big Air event, California-born teenager Eileen Gu won gold for China, her mother's native country, after landing a breathtaking 1620. She called her victory the best moment of her life, but dodged several questions about her nationality. She's competed for China, which does not permit dual citizenship since 2019, but she has not said if she's renounced her American citizenship. I'm American when I'm in the U.S. and I'm Chinese when I'm in China. And I've been very outspoken about my gratitude to both the U.S. and China for making me the person who I am. Tonight, American snowboarding stars Chloe Kim and Sean White begin competition on the halfpipe. These are the last winter games for White, who announced he will retire after five Olympics. He already has three gold medals, by the way. Nora. Jamie Yukis, thank you. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture-proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Tonight, the wheels of downsizing are spinning at Peloton. The fitness company is replacing its CEO and today announced layoffs of 20% of its corporate workforce. The steep drop in demand for the company's at-home exercise bikes is fueling speculation that the company could be sold to Amazon, Nike, or Apple. 
All right, tonight, the Netflix Western The Power of the Dog leads the Oscar pack with 12 nominations, including Best Picture. Will Smith scored nominations for producing and starring in King Richard. Denzel Washington's performance in The Tragedy of Macbeth earned him his 10th nomination. And in one of the most talked-about snubs, Lady Gaga was not nominated for her performance in House of Gucci. When an oncology nurse was diagnosed with breast cancer, she had a pretty good idea what she was in for. What she didn't expect was how being a patient also made her a better nurse. CBS's Mark Strassman reports. Nurse Sharon Kerber treats cancer patients. After a routine mammogram, she became one. I think like a lot of people, I was a little late getting my mammogram due to the pandemic. I was diagnosed with breast cancer on May 3rd. Scary? It was scary. I don't think anybody can ever be prepared for that moment. Through chemo and multiple surgeries, the 48-year-old mother of four kept working. On the days that you worked, were they different than the days that you had off? Yes. I think I felt better on the days that I worked. I certainly wasn't thinking about myself very much. Just as you were good for your patients, your patients were good for you. Oh, my patients kept me going through this. A cancer camaraderie became her therapy at the Sarah Cannon Cancer Hospital near Dallas. Every time a patient would find out, they would look at me like they were seeing me for the first time. And then we could have more intimate conversations about treatment, side effects. Has your personal experience made you a better nurse? Oh, I think it absolutely has. Kerber is now cancer-free and in remission. A working, walking reminder to her patients. There's hope. Mark Strassman, CBS News. Plano, Texas. And as Sharon reminds us, get your mammogram. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, as we continue our series honoring Black History Month, we sit down with Academy Award nominee Anjanu Ellis on how she is driven to play strong women. And if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell here in our nation's capital. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.